This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. What I want to talk about this morning is providence. It's a word that a lot of people think is talking about Rhode Island, you know. But this is not Rhode Island I'm talking about. But let me just read the words uh, to an old hymn. And it goes like this. It goes, great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, my father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thou compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Have you ever discovered all that you need his hand provides? All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter, springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. God is faithful to everything that he has ever promised unto us. He's faithful. In providence, the word providence means God's advanced care. Uh, Emphasis on that word advanced. Providence is talking about God's advanced care and his advanced consideration and foresight. Preparations and provisions and protection provided before needed. God knows what you're going to need before you need it. How many have discovered when you had a baby, you knew what you was going to need before the baby showed up? How many of you knew that? And a lot of you provided lots of those things. There, there was some providence. There was consideration, you know, and, and before you made those provisions. And that's the way our Papa God is. He says here in uh, Psalms 37, verse 23, it says, the steps of the godly, the the godlike, that's just like Christians, like the Christ-like, the steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. Have you ever found yourself somewhere where God didn't want you? You have? Because sometimes the, the Lord is trying to direct our path and he's showing us, but we might take a turn and might go somewhere that 
we really ought not to be going. But it says the steps of the godly are directed. He doesn't drag us that way, but he directs us. This is the way to go, you know. The steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. And, and the question is, are you following? Are you aware of that direction? Are you following that? He goes on to say, and he delights. This is one of our, our wonderful passages. And he delights in every detail of our lives. God delights in every detail of our life. And he's directing us. He's guiding us. He is leading us. And it's a joy to him. He delights in every detail, everything that you need. He delights in taking care of you, 100%. He genuinely does. So it says that he delights in every detail of their lives. Verse 24, though they, talking about the godly, though they stumble, they will not fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. And, and to understand that, you know, when you have a child or two and they're little and, and you're taking them for a little walk, like where we live, we live at the base of, it's part of Ragged Mountain and the terrain in our yard is like Ragged Mountain. And so you grab your kids by the hand and you walk them. They may stumble because it's kind of ragged there. They may stumble, but what does a parent do when their child stumbles and they're holding their hand? They just kind of fly them up over that root or that rock, right? They stumble, but you just kind of pick them up and stabilize them and just set them back down. You just keep on going. And that's what God does for you and for me. It says, though they stumble, they will not fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Now, uh, I have experienced this so many times by people that I knew I've done little pieces of the Appalachian Trail many, many times over the years. And what happens, I was reading about this young man, and I could just visualize it because I've seen it acted out in real life. There was a young man, he was hiking on the Appalachian Trail, and each time that he was just about out of provisions, you know, he happened to be close to a town, a couple miles usually, and he'd go to the local post office and he'd give the postmaster his name. And under general delivery was a, was a box that had his name on it. Kind of like something like this. And uh, the postmaster would give it to him because it had his name on it. And he opened the box. And lo and behold, his shoes had uh, worn through and the, the uh, sole was coming off of it and one of his strings just absolutely broke and they were leaking and he opened that box and a pair of his old already broken in by a couple of months his shoes was in that box how in the world did that happen he just happened to go to this post office and there was a pair of shoes because he desperately needed shoes because his other ones were, were busted and he needed a, just a little flashlight, not a lot of weight. And that little flashlight was, was in the box also. And sometimes there's some other little things, some necessities that you might need. He found in the box as well. And there was just this little roll of special paper for some reason or another you know and, and, and his 
compass had broken and lo and behold, there was a brand new compass in that box. Now, how in the world did that happen? Well, he had a daddy and before he took off on his trip on the Appalachian Trail, they had planned the trip out, you know, together and dad knew exactly where he was traveling and he already had it set up that here are the closest towns where the trail leans closest to a town, a couple miles usually, and you can go there and uh, if there's anything that you need along the journey, when you go to that town, you call me. And this is way back when we only had pay phones and stuff even, you know. And you call, and by the time you get to the next town, it's going to take you a few days, there'll be a box there waiting for you. Because Dad got his old boots, and he got a flashlight, and roll of paper, and all the things that his son needed, and he mailed it to him. So his son asked and no matter what it was, maybe his sleeping bag tore, his tent tore, you know, maybe he needed some more backpacking foods and things like that. But time he got, you know, might take a week or, or so to get to that next, you know, uh, post office at general delivery, his name was on it and everything he needed was always in that box because he asked his dad and his dad got it together and mailed it. And got it to him in plenty, plenty of time. Everything he needed. Do you think God is less caring for us? The providence of God. He knows our needs. Papa God, we hear an emergency vehicle off in the distance right now. We don't know, but you know what's going on right there. We ask that you to help those who are responding and those who are in need, might be somebody we know, please bless them and meet their need and help them in their time of need and just draw them all close to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26 says, look at the birds. Y'all been looking at the birds this year? You know, Hearing those wonderful chirping birds and you seeing them all over the place? And that's what the Bible says. Look at the birds. Uh, they don't need to plant or harvest. Now I'm doing a garden, but they're not doing the garden. Uh, they don't need to plant or harvest or put food into barns because their heavenly father feeds them. Hmm. And you are far more valuable to him than they are. The Bible says that you are so much more valuable to God than Birds are. And, and birds are valuable because he feeds them. And lots of the times God will use you to feed his birds. How many of you ever put bird seed out? Hey, there's quite a few hands that goes up there. And God uses us to feed his birds. But he says here, and you are far more valuable to him than they are. The providence of Almighty God. If he feeds the birds, you can guarantee he's going to feed, he's going to take care of you. That's just the truth of it. Verse 33 says, and he will give you all. Now what percentage is all? 100%. And he will give you all 100% that you need from day to day. And he knows what you need day by day. And that father... 
who was sending boxes of stuff to his son at a, another post office, if his son had been desperate, the dad would have drove it there. And he would have got it there in a day's time. But everything his son needed, he would take care of it. But the Bible says here, and he will give you all, 100%, he will give you all you need from day to day. And there's a condition on that, though. If you live for him, are you living for God? Are you following his directions? You know? And he says he'll give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and you make the kingdom of God your primary concern, your number one concern. You put him first and he's going to take care of every need that you ever have. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, it says, seek his will. Now, our tendency is to seek our own will. Well, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. This is what I want to have. And he says here, seek his will in all. There again, there's that 100%. Seek his will in all you do. And he will, not maybe, he will direct your paths. He's going to direct you in the proper way. He is the way maker. He is a miracle worker. He is a promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. My God, that's who he is. And he's going to take care of every need that you have. That's what he tells us in his word. Psalms verse 30, uh, chapter 32, verse 8, it says, The Lord says, I will guide you. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. And God's promises are absolutely 100%, you know. And, and God's provisions, he says he's going to guide us on what? He's going to guide us where? The best pathway. And I'll promise you, if you're on the pathway that God sets out for you, you will always find his providence, his provisions, an extra pair of boots, the food that you need, the money you need, a new job, a relationship that you need, sanity in your, whatever. If you're following God on the best pathway that he has determined for your life, you'll always find the providence of God. You'll find the provisions that you have need of. That's just the way he is. So he says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life and I will advise you. And I'll watch over you. Now, why would he do that? That's it. Because he loves us. God loves us. He loves you. And you might think, well, how can he love me? Because I've let him down a few times. He's crazy about you. He loves you. It's just absolutely fantastic how much God loves you. Oh, I will advise you and I'll watch over you, you know. And he tells us, though, his ways are higher than our ways. But we can learn his ways and we can follow the best path. We genuinely can. That's what he's telling us. He's trying to show us that. Well, here's a guy. Most of you have probably heard of him. His name's Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai said, get up, must have been sleeping. Get up 
and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgments against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up. Okay, that's the first part. He, he did what God said. He got up. But Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction in order to get away from the Lord. Ever done that? It's just like God's talking to you and you, you kind of get up and you, God says, I want you to go east and you're heading west, you know. Think about that. This is exactly what happened here to Jonah. Uh, let me see here. Verse 3, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction in order to get away from God. You ever want to get away from God? Listen to what it says in Malachi chapter 3.11. Now, this was really addressing tithers, but listen to what it says. God says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. When you're following the best pathway that God has for you, God says, I'm going to rebuke the devourer. I'm going to re rebuke COVID. I'm going to rebuke disease. I'm going to rebuke poverty. I'm going to rebuke all these things if we're following the best pathway that he has for our life. Now, do you think Jonah was following God's best pathway? When God says, I want you to go this way, and, and he went that way. I don't think he was following God's best pathway for him at all. Anyhow, it says here, uh, I'm back to Jonah chapter 1, verse 3. But Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction in order to get away from the Lord. And he went down to the seacoast to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. And he bought a ticket. And he went on board hoping that by going away to the west... He could escape from the Lord. Now, do you know that God did not provide him a ticket? He had to buy it himself. Now, if he was going where God wanted him to go, he would have found the providence of God and it would have been a ticket there waiting for him, most likely. But when we choose to go opposite of the Lord, it costs us dearly. That's just kind of the way it is. Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 says... Now the Lord had arranged, he had prepared this customized fish. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And you know what? Uh, they were having terrible storms and all, and the sailors on the ship were thinking that they were going to sink and everything. And they were crying out to God, and, and they saw that God had shown them that it was Jonah was the reason this terrible storm was there. And Jonah said, well, if you really want to solve this storm, just throw me overboard, and the storm will cease. And that's what they did. <clears throat> they, the sailors, they just tossed Jonah overboard. Now, how would you like God to prepare something for you like he prepared for Jonah? A great fish or something else, circumstances that are not necessarily pleasing to you because you're going in the wrong direction. I don't think any of us would really care for that. But he says here in Jonah 1.17, Now the Lord had arranged a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and 
three nights. Just like Jesus was in the, the belly of the earth for three days and three nights, the Bible tells us. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. And he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And he answered me. When you're in great trouble and you go back and you cry out to God, he's going to hear you. And he is going to help you. That's just the way God is. He says in verse 7, when I had lost all hope, like the times we're living in right now, this pandemic has been going on quite some time. There are a lot of people who've lost hope because they've, they've lost business, they've lost jobs, they've lost loved ones, they've lost this and they've lost that. And hope is what God breathes into us. It's a confident expectation for the future. But there's a lot of people who are just looking to their own human abilities. They've lost all hope in regards to the future. And he says here, uh, let me find out what verse I was at again. Verse 7, when I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. That's the way to go. You get back on the best pathway for your life, the one that God had set out for you. When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord and my earnest prayers went out to you. Hmm. See, when you have nothing left but God, you discover that God is enough. He genuinely is. Now, I don't know that anybody really wants to be in a pickle. It's like, well, I've lost everything. And then you discover, but God is more than enough. I don't know that that's what you're really desiring to happen, but he is always more than enough. But if you get on your own human pathway, you're not going to find the providence of God there. You're not going to find all the provisions that God wants to give you when you have chosen to go your own way like Jonah did going in the opposite direction. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, you know, and God has amazing, he's given us his handbook that tells us his attitude and his heart and his nature toward us. My gracious favor is all you need. Can you imagine God telling you that? My gracious favor, and the word grace means my enabling power. My enabling power, my gracious favor is all you need. And, and my power, it works best in your weakness. The providence of God, he'll always provide for you. And he's got a best pathway for you. Okay, we're going back here to Jonah chapter 2, verse 7. It says, and when I lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you. Verse 9, and I will offer, but I will offer sacrifices to you with, with songs of praise and, and I will fulfill all, what percentage is all? And I will fulfill all my vows. You know what God's telling us is it's best not to make a vow than to make a vow and then break it. You know, and I'm sure Jonah was one of them guys. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. He's making a vow. I'll serve you, Lord, however you want. And then God says, I want you to go down there to Nineveh. 
You know, down there in Joppa, and he breaks his vow, and he goes to Tarshish instead. He's going the opposite way. And there's some consequences to that. But he says here, now, as he's praying to God out of this fish, he says, I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And then the Lord ordered the fish to spit up Jonah on the beach, and it did. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, he spit him up right there at Nineveh. He got there quicker than if he had sailed there with his fish. And when people saw this whale spit him up, they listened to his preaching. You know, they, they listened to what he had to say, and they responded. Well, Jonah chapter 1, verse 16 says, The sailors were awestruck by, by the Lord's great power, and, and they offered a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Even this adventure here with Jonah, God turned it and worked it together for good to cause these other sailors to make a, a vow toward God and commit themselves totally to him and choose to serve him. Psalms 23 you know that, the 23rd Psalm. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> hmm. See, a shepherd, he cares for and he provides for his sheep. The, the, the providence of the shepherd. But this is in the Lord is my shepherd. And he takes care of his sheep the way a shepherd takes care of his sheep. You know, and a shepherd will take really good care of his sheep. It says here in this Particular translation says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. That's God's providence. Now, I was reading this little article about this little girl. And, and you know how it says, I believe it's in the King James, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It means I shall not lack. It's what the want. I shall not want for anything because the Lord is my shepherd. But this little girl I was reading about, you know, other people know the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This little girl said, the Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I want. <laughs> now, that's, she didn't know how to say it properly, but that's good advice. The Lord is my shepherd, and he's all I want, because when you got the shepherd, it's like the, 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 the young man backpacking on the Appalachian Trail. His dad's going to give him everything he needs. And when you got the shepherd, shepherd, is going to take care of his sheep. And, and he's all, this little girl said, Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want. Now Philippians chapter 419, as we're talking about the providence of God, listen to what is being spoken. He says, but my God, here is a believer and an almighty God and a believer in Jesus. And he says, but my God shall supply, What? All. What percentage is that? Now, this is either true or it's a lie. I know it's the truth. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Not according to a particular local bank in your community. But he says here, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches. Where? In glory. And up there, uh, they paved the roads out of gold about this thick, the purest of gold. And if, if they are paving the roads with pure gold, and that's just road building material. We use asphalt because it's cheap enough, you know. 
If God's going to provide your needs according to his riches and glory, not an earthly bank, but a heavenly bank, you think he can take care of whatever your need might be? As you read through the Bible, you see that he exactly did that. He took care of his children's needs. You see the providence of God throughout the Bible. And it says here, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way. I don't know if, do y'all remember that song that we sing from time to time? Waymaker? He's the waymaker. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. He is the miracle worker. He works miracles when only a miracle would do. You know what I'm talking about? He's a promise keeper. He's given us this fantastic book of all kinds of wonderful promises. He is the light in the darkness. When we can't see which way to go, he is the light. He is my God, personal God. That's just who he is. And that's who he wants to be. He's our shepherd. That's just the truth of it. Uh, And and verse 2 here in uh, Psalms 23, it says, he lets me rest. Now, do you ever need rest? As much as you need something to eat, as much as you might need some finances for something, as much as you might need some wisdom or some other kind of provision and all, says, he lets me rest. That's providence. God, he lets us rest in green meadows, you know. That means there's plenty to eat in this green meadow. And see, that's a picture of safety, when you've got this green meadow where you can rest at because sheep don't lie down when they're being stalked or when there's just a little bit of something to eat because they're all fighting to get that little morsel of grass, you know. And as you read the 23rd Psalm, it's a picture of satisfaction. It really is because sheep just don't lie down when they're hungry. Uh, They're out there, uh, you know, aggressively trying to get every little morsel that they can. But he's shown us in his word, he, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me. Now, are you following him? That's another story. But he leads me beside peaceful streams. There's plenty to drink, you know. If, if we don't follow, we'll be thirsty. And what is it that you're thirsting for? that will really genuinely satisfy you. He goes on to say in verse 3, he renews my strength through provisions, the providence of God. Whatever it is that you need, he's got it. He's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. My God, that is who he is. He lets me rest. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths. Right paths have all the provisions. The wrong paths don't. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Now, if you think about this, Abraham, when God told Abraham to go and offer his son Isaac on this mountain, if Abraham hadn't taken the right path, if he hadn't have taken the best path that God had for him, well, when he got up on the top and was ready to sacrifice Isaac, there wouldn't have been an angel there to stop him if he hadn't have gone the right path. If he hadn't have gone on the right path, there wouldn't have been a ram caught in a thicket, which once God said, don't you hurt Isaac, you know, 
I know now what you would do. I mean, there's a ram over there. Take the ram. He represented Jesus. And the ram died in Isaac's place. But if Abraham had disobeyed God and had taken another path, or well, this is a shortcut, or this is a better path to take, he wouldn't have had the providence of God. Have you ever lacked the providence of God and thought like, well, maybe I'm on the wrong path. But when you're on the right path, the provisions of Almighty God is going to be there. He, he goes on and says here in verse 4, Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you're close beside me. When you're on the right path, you're going to find he's really close beside you. Hmm. How about that? And he says, your rod, the, the psalmist, David said, your rod and your staff, they, they protect and they, they comfort me. You know what this is? Hey, do, do you know what this is? There's a neighbor. She was mowing her grass, and I jumped out of the bushes, and I hooked one of my sheep. You know, as Susan and I was getting ready to come to church. But I was just clowning around there. Uh, but you know what? A, a shepherd would take this with the hook on there, and if his sheep fell down a little bit of a cliff there, or if he got in a real deep thicket, thorns and all, he would hook it into the fur into the wall and he would twist it and twist it and then he'd pull his sheep out of the, the thicket there or pull it up that little cliff there. That was his, his staff. And uh, he also said, had a rod, his rod and his staff. Now this here happens to be a solid oak rod. And you know what? I suspect that if I clobbered a coyote or a wolf or something with this thing, the wolf wouldn't be in too good a shape afterwards, you know. But the the rod was to fight off all the wild animals. The staff was to pull the sheep out of, uh, you know, precarious places they got themselves into. And it says it right here. Let's see. It says, um, verse 4, 23rd Psalm, even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me and your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. That, that's providence. Fights off all the wild animals that's coming after you and, and will guide you and rescue you if you get in a, a precarious situation. Then he goes on to verse 5 and he says, you prepare, Here, the, 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 the shepherd you know, you prepare, this is God's problem, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of mine enemies. Because our shepherd, he has his, his rod to fight off all the bad guys, you know, and, and it says, the shepherd prepares a, a feast for us. Even though there's enemies around, you don't have to worry, he'll take care of the enemies. And you can sit down and you can eat. That's the providence of God. Because lots of times we perceive there's evil that's lurking around us. But God tells us that we can just sit down and enjoy his feast. Because he's there to protect us with his rod and with his staff. Captain Johnson was serving as chaplain 
on an island in the South Pacific during World War II. And he prepared to go on a bombing raid on enemy-occupied islands several hundred miles away. The mission was a complete success, but on the homeward course, the plane began to lose altitude and the engines faded out. And a safe landing was made on a strange island. It was learned later that the enemy was just one half mile in each direction, yet the landing had gone undetected. The staff sergeant came to the chaplain and said, Chaplain, you have been telling us for months of the need of praying and believing God answers prayer in times of trouble and that he does it right away. We're out of gas. Base is several hundred miles away and we're almost surrounded by the enemy. Johnson began to pray and lay hold of the promises and he believed that God would work a miracle. Night came and the chaplain continued his intense prayer. About 2 a.m., the sergeant awakened and felt compelled to walk to the water's edge. He discovered a metal float which had drifted up on the beach. A high-octane gas was in these barrels on the float, which had drifted up on the beach. (laughs) In a few hours, the crew reached their home base safely. An investigation revealed that the skipper of a U.S. tanker, finding his ship in submarine-infested waters, had his gasoline cargo removed to, so as to minimize the danger in case of a torpedo hit. Barrels of fuel were placed on barges and put adrift 600 miles from where Johnson and the plane crew were forced down. God had navigated one of these barges through wind and current and beached it 50 steps from the stranded men. Absolutely miraculous. How could that possibly happen? The providence of God. He knew those men needed some gasoline of some type to get their plane back working again. 50 steps from where they landed their plane, 600 miles, that barge of gasoline floated to end up right there, right when they needed it. The providence of God. The, the scripture tells us in uh, Psalms 23, verse 5, it says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You welcome me as a guest, anointing my head with oil. And it's a courtesy that was shown to guests at a banquet, to anoint their heads with oil. And he says, my cup overflows with blessings. And you got to understand, in that arid environment where it was so dry, and water was almost as valuable as gold, he says, my cup, it runs over. It's just splashing, it's keeping it fresh, but it's just splashing out, spilling everywhere, because it just continues to run over. There's more than enough. More than enough. My cup overflows with blessings. Verse 6 says, Surely your goodness, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. As I stay on the right path, it's going to catch up with me. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days 
of my life. In the days of uh, the country store, there was a little boy and he, he would accompany his mom when she went shopping. And the storekeeper always said, hey, take a handful of candy, son. But the boy never would. And the storekeeper would reach into the box and give the boy a handful. And one day his mother asked, why is it when he asks you to take a handful, you never do? And the boy replied, because his hand is bigger than mine. <laughs> he was a wise boy. And I'm going to tell you something. God's hand is bigger than us. And he's going to take good care of you. The providence of God. What is it that you need right now? Well, I'm telling you that God can do that for you. God can do that for you. Whatever your need is right now, God can meet that need. 100% guaranteed. He tells us over and over and over in his word. Psalms 36 verse 7. It says, how precious. How precious is your unfailing love. How precious is God's unfailing love. Oh God. All humanity. Now, now what percentage would that be? It says humanity. You don't, you know, limit it to a certain state or a, a country or a nation. This is the planet. How precious is your unfailing love, oh God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. If, if they want to find shelter. Oh, you can do like Jonah and you can run from God. But he says, how precious is your unfailing love, oh God. All humanity, all 100% of humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from your river of delight, your rivers of delight. For you are the fountain of life. God, you are the fountain of life, a light by which we see. And then Romans chapter 8 verse 17 says, and since we are his children, we will share his treasures. Since we are his children, we will share his treasures for everything, 100%, for everything God gives to his son. And what's his son's name? Jesus. He says here, and since we are his children, we will share his treasures for everything God gives to his son, you know, Christ, Jesus, is ours too. Everything Papa God gives to his son, Jesus, is ours too. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And the suffering he's talking about is just persecution. Because, oh, Oh, you read your Bible? You're one of them born agains? Oh, you read your Bible? You pray? So there may people make, make fun of you. Uh, that's persecution. And he's telling us persecution is going to happen. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know. Now you've heard this verse, if you've been here long, a whole bunch of times. And we know, and this is a statement of faith, and a statement of experience. And we know that God causes everything, that's 100%, to work together for the good of those who love God. Now, you got to understand something. Some people might say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, 
and, and they may choose really not to obey God. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me. So there are some people who say they're a Christian, but they don't obey God. Now, they may find that things aren't working together for good as they had hoped. Because listen to what the scripture says. And we know, this is a statement of faith, and, and I know this for a fact, and it's a statement of experience. I've experienced it, many of you have as well. That God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Oh, oh, his purpose or or, or the best pathway, his pathway, the right pathway. And then he explains what that best pathway, that right pathway is. And we know, verse 28 says, that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God. And he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands and are called according to his purpose for them. Hmm. Are you following God's purpose? And then the next verse I think we read it last week. It tells us God's purpose for us. For God knew his people in advance. And he chose them to become like his son. That's God's purpose. That's his commission for you and me. That we become like his son Jesus. And Jesus, he's the way maker. And we need to follow him because my Bible says he is the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through him. He is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. He is the light in the darkness. And as we become like him, we are making the way clear for people. We are becoming, as he said in his word, we're becoming miracle workers. We're becoming promise keepers and sharing it with other people. And, and he said that now you are the light of the world when you have Christ in you. And and, and, and that's my God. And, and when we become Christ-like, we're doing everything that Christ did and, and helping other people to find the providence, the provisions of God. And one of the greatest provisions that God has ever put along that path is salvation. It's forgiveness. And that's one of the greatest things we need. We need to be pardoned for our sins. Say, so, well, I, I was pardoned before. Has anybody here ever sinned since you first accepted Jesus as your Savior? Anybody here? Just put your hand up. The rest of you might as well put your hands up because you're lying, you know. <laughs> but the greatest provisions that God has ever made is to forgive us. And he said, if we'll confess our sins to him, to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. And let's just get back on the right way. Let's get the, the, the best path, uh, the right path, and follow him like him. That's what he wants us to do, genuinely, you know. God's providence means we'll never be the victim of just chance and that we have no need to fe fear the future. Well, what's the future? that we're having to look forward to between now and January. Oh, what's the future we have for next year? Well, I am telling you, our shepherd, he's going to take good care of you. That's just the truth of it. That's just the way it is. 
Romans chapter 8, this is a powerful verse. If this is the only verse we came together to read today, it would have been worth our effort. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. It says, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble? Has anybody ever had trouble? Anybody? All you guys at home? There's some kind of trouble that comes our way. He says, does it mean we, he no longer loves us? If we have trouble or calamity or we're persecuted, and he said we're going to have persecution, or if we are hungry or we're cold or in danger or threatened with death, does it mean God no longer loves us? And some people feel that way. Well, because I've had some trouble, God don't love me no more. That's a lie from the pits of hell. And that's what the devil will whisper in your ear. Listen to what he says in verse 37. No, that's not the truth. Despite all... These things, the trouble, calamity, persecution, being hungry, cold, danger, threatened with death. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace. I'd say that was pretty much some trouble, don't you think so? Well, does God still love me? I mean, I was thrown in a fiery furnace, but he was in there with you and he brought you out and there wasn't even a smell of smoke on you. Well, if God really loves me, how come I was thrown into uh, the, the den of lions? That's what happened to Daniel. But God kept them lions from touching him all night long. Just because there's trouble don't mean that God's no longer with us or he no longer loves us. He says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. We're more than a conqueror. In Philippians chapter 4, this is a passage that Susan and I probably have shared to more people than any other passage, you know, over the years. But listen to what it has to say and let's see if we can follow the recipe that God gives us. He says, as you're thinking about this week and this month and the rest of this year, as you're thinking about the pandemic and the chaos and the confusion and our whole political system and what's going on in our world at large right now, he says, don't worry about. Uh, what percentage would that be? Don't worry about anything. Let me tell you, when our grandson was born, and it was a pretty traumatic situation being born. There you are inside someone. You're just nice and comfy. And now they're kind of like going through all this kind of stuff to bring you into the world. And doctors are broken and prodding and all the craziness that's going on there. But I saw Dakota, our grandson, on many occasions. And all this chaos that was going on and all the adults are all up in arms and nervous and all concerned. But you know what he did? He nursed, got his belly full, and slept. He just had peace. It was ab He wasn't worried where his next meal was going to come from. He wasn't even worried if he had clothes on. He wasn't worried that he had the designer clothes on either. He wasn't worried. He was just, you know, he just slept. And when he began to express some serious cases of jaundice, the numbers was getting really high. He just slept. He just was at peace. He wasn't worrying about it. Hey, it, y'all can worry if you want to, but I'm not going to worry was the essence of it. 
So the Bible says, don't worry. And we as God's children, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, what percentage is everything? Now, I know I ask this question all the time, but it's in there. And sometimes we forget this means everything, 100%. Don't worry about anything. Instead of worrying, this is what you can do instead. Pray about everything. And then he says it in a little different term. He says, pray about everything. Let me explain it. Tell God what you need. Be specific. Detail-oriented. Tell God what you need. And then thank him for all he has done. Now, a lot of people forget that part. They're asking and asking, but they forget to say thank you. Thank you, Lord. And not just what happens today and yesterday or this week, but go back as far as you want to and just have the attitude of gratitude. Thank you, Lord. You've always been there for me. Thank you that you've done this and thank you for that. And thank you and thank you. This is a recipe for having one of the most sought after things on this planet. He says here, don't worry about anything. He said, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then thank him for all he has. Do you remember Jesus was preaching and he had 5,000 men and, and they were listening. And he ended up out in the wilderness there and he was preaching and it was getting Time to send everybody home. And the disciples says, well, they ain't had nothing to eat all day. They've been listening to you. And don't you think we should feed them or something? And Jesus said, well, what do we have? And then the disciples are going like, we have nothing. And there's no stores nearby. And we don't have no money to buy it if we could find the store. And Jesus said, well, look out and see what you can find. And they came back. One little boy's mama was very provisional. And she had packed him a little lunch, five loaves of bread, and two small fish. And so they came, hey, we found some. Well, at least you can eat, Jesus. Does anybody know what Jesus did after that? The Bible says he thanked his father for the five loaves and the two fish. Thank you, Father, for these five loaves and, and these two fish that you have provided us with. And then the men began to come, the disciples. And Jesus just kept filling up these big baskets. And he started feeding 5,000 men. And the Bible says that wasn't counting the wives and the children. So there was a lot more than 5,000. How many of them was married? Maybe half of them. How many of them had kids? Maybe all of them had three or four. Who knows? But they all were fed and the key was Jesus was thankful to his father for the little he had. Are we ever thankful for the little we have? Or, well, I need more. I need better than this. I need something other. I need something. I need what the neighbors got. I need, I need, I need. Or we're like, thank you, Papa God. You've been so good to me. Anyhow, that's what happened here. Jesus was extremely thankful and a miracle took place. And the Bible says, they gathered up 12 baskets of leftovers from five loaves of bread, the little flat pancake kind of looking things, and two small fish. And they gathered up after feeding probably 7,000 people. They gathered up 12 baskets. He wasn't into waste. Well, 
We're about just to wrap things up here. Matthew 7, verse 7, it says, keep on asking. Don't stop asking. This is a key. If you want your prayers to be answered, you ask. The Bible says if two of you agree on this earth concerning anything you ask, it's going to be done. Do you have some men and some women who are of like faith and you know will pray with you? That's what we all need. So you can be of like faith and you're praying the word of God and God answers our prayers. He says, keep on asking and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking. Don't stop. And you will find, keep on knocking, don't stop, and the door will be open. Verse 8 says, for everyone, that's 100%, for everyone who asks, receives, and everyone, 100%, who seeks, finds, and the door is open to everyone, 100%, the door is open to everyone who knocks. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? The son, he calls his dad and he, he asks and he says, Dad, I got some other needs. Dad, there's things that I need and, and I just don't have them. And what does dad do? Dad sends them. Oh, there's a, there's a new thermos because yours was leaking. And, and there's insect repellent. And there's all kinds of stuff. And, and there's, there's all kinds of backpacking foods and all. Because you, you ran out and some raccoons got into your stuff. And all the... Do you think that a heavenly father is as good as an earthly father? think he is better absolutely better and and god told us in his word if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give gifts good gifts to those who ask and what we're asking for might not be something that you can put in a box it might just be a life changed it might be a miracle it might be a healing or a restoration of some kind whatever it is God can do it. There's no doubt about it. Okay, this last thing I want to share. During the Spanish-American War, Clara Barton was overseeing the work of the Red Cross in Cuba. One day, Colonel Theodore Roosevelt came to her and wanted to buy food for his sick and wounded Rough Riders. But she refused to sell him any. Roosevelt was perplexed. His men needed the help and he was prepared to pay out of his own funds. And when he asked someone why he could not buy the supplies, he was told, Colonel, just ask for it. A smile broke over Roosevelt's face. Now he understood the provisions are not for sale. All he had to do was ask, and they would be given freely. God, I really need you to do something in, in my life or their life or 
his life or her life or that family or my neighbors or, or we need something here and there and, and, and I'm willing to, to, to pay whatever you're asking. Does God answer prayers because we pay? He answers prayers because we pray. Because we ask. Because we believe he can do it. And we just keep on asking and thanking and always accompany with your prayers. Always accompany it with thanksgiving. Well, our time is up here and I'd like to pray with you and I'd like to, if you've been around long, you know, I'd like for us to reaffirm our faith in Christ. And those of you who are with us today who don't know Christ, would you declare your faith in him along with those who know him and just going to reaffirm your faith. And then I want to take another minute and pray for you. So if we just bow our heads right now, and Susan, if you would join me up here, I would greatly appreciate it. So as our heads are bowed, I would ask you to reaffirm your faith or to declare your faith in Christ with me right now. Maybe you've steered off course and it's time to get back on the right path again. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son, Jesus. That's why you sent your son, Jesus. I believe that he gave his life on the cross. I believe he gave his life on the cross. He shed his blood. He shed his blood. To wash all my sins away. To wash all my sins away. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. On the third day. On the third day. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus. And I welcome Jesus. Into every area of my life. Into every area of my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. As my King. As my King. And as my friend. And as my friend. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 